Good morning, church. Is that all right? Okay, so Pastor Randy has uh, asked me to preach this morning, and so you know what that means? Another story. You're right. But it also means audience participation. Because I believe God wants us to participate with him and not just to sit and hear, but to participate. Let's pray. Lord, I'm so unworthy to preach your word. But you have demonstrated your great love and your grace and your mercy, Lord. So, Lord, please, I ask you, help me to preach your word for your glory to your people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, Pastor Randy has preached um, through the book of Daniel, and I don't know about you, but my mind was blown. I mean, just so much to take in. But at the same time, my faith was built in understanding a little more, or sometimes a lot more, of God's Word. Seeing when Pastor Randy said it's like looking out when Daniel saw the dream and just seeing things in the future and things that seemed close to each other really were not really close to each other in time. And then knowing God's sovereign plan and how through history has just uh, fulfilled it, um, it just encouraged me to trust more in God's sovereignty and his perfect plan. Just knowing now that what Daniel saw, we can view today even clearer in many ways. Back in January, Pastor Randy asked me to preach, and normally I'm kind of hesitant because I really don't feel I'm called um, to be a preacher. But God told me, just say yes, that you're willing. And I prayed, and I thought about it, and asked God to please help me because I, I just didn't know what to preach. And when Pastor Randy asks other men to preach, it's not because he wants to take a break, although he does deserve a break from preaching every once in a while. But it really is to put the focus in our church where it belongs, not on any particular preacher, but on the Word of God and on God Himself. And so I prayed, Dear God, I have this opportunity to preach your message or a message from you to people that I have loved and known for many of you a very long time. What message should it be? Help me. Please help me. 
And then I thought of like, okay, maybe it should be relevant to something that's happening now because there's a lot of things going on now. Just a few months ago, our country, the United States of America, elected a new president. Yet, many in our nation believe that the previous president should still be in office. And there are many praying on both sides that their candidate or their political party would be in power. But just thinking about that demonstrates that this country we call the United States of America is deeply divided. So maybe God would want me to preach something on that. A year ago yesterday, March 6, 2020, saw Hawaii's first COVID-19 case. And here we are a year later, having gone through stay-at-home orders, mask wearing, social distancing, changes in our lives that we could never have imagined. With many suffering greatly because of the pandemic. Or maybe it's something from history that still impacts us today. Or maybe something that we're looking forward to in the future. Or maybe, because I like football, about Tom Brady winning another Super Bowl. How, Lord, would you like me to encourage your church? And then God said, touch on things that have been preached on recently. It doesn't matter who is the current king or current leader. Remember what has been taught to us. The Bible teaches in Proverbs 21, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. Or, as we just went through in Daniel chapter 2, God changes the times and seasons, and God removes kings and puts them in place. So God, please, please help me. I, I, I don't know what to share. And then God put in my heart to share a message that is timeless. Timeless to what's happening yesterday, what's happening right now, and what's happening in the future to eternity, and as Buzz Lightyear says, and beyond. A message that is truly of cosmic proportions and yet personal to each one of us. A simple message, but yet if we think about it deeply and we allow God through His Spirit to pierce our hearts with it, we find true joy and every time we hear it, we're excited. A message that we need to remind ourselves of every day. A message so simple, a little child can understand it. And yet, 
so deep and complex the greatest minds that have ever lived cannot fully explain every aspect of it. A message that carries the essence of the entire Bible. A message that hits me personally every time I hear it. And so what's the title of today's message? Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. And so please, I ask you, even though it's a message we've heard before, let God through his word and my testimony penetrate our hearts. And may the Holy Spirit convict us to follow Jesus with everything we are. But because it's me, so before I tell this cosmic story, yes, there is another story. Once upon a time, there was a little boy. But sorry, this time is not Ungamunga. This time, it's a true story. Once upon a time, there was a little boy, and his name was Wesley. And that's me. And I have a little sister. And I also have six older sisters. And I grew up on the island of Oahu in a non-religious family, raised by my grandparents in a small house. And I never heard any Bible stories growing up. And I had no idea of who Jesus is. But God knew me. And by his grace, someone shared with me the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jesus saved me from spiritual death to eternal life. And so this morning, I want to share my personal testimony of Jesus Christ to be a witness of God's great love told through his word and experienced firsthand by me. Then thinking, where to start? Where to start in history that God has? The start of the Christian church? The start of the Southern Baptist Convention? And as many of us know, Southern Baptist Convention, Joyce talked about, right, sends missionaries. Back in 1940, the International Mission Board was called the Foreign Mission Board. And they sent missionaries to China and Japan to spread the gospel of, of Christ. And then something happened in late 30s, early 40s, called World War II. And these missionaries were forced out of China and Japan. And the Southern Baptist Convention then sent some of them to this foreign country at that time, well, American territory, called Hawaii. And some of them came to the island of Maui. And they started to plant a church in Kahului in 1943. And in 1945, that church was formally organized as Kahului Baptist Church to spread the gospel of Christ on Maui and throughout the world. 
And somehow, that reached me on Oahu about 37 years ago. And it just blows my mind. God, in his sovereignty, used World War II for his glory in Hawaii, and it reached me. He put me on a collision course with his gospel. Remember, this was the early to mid-1940s. And at that time, God allowed his message to reach a lady named Tamiko Funaki. And the missionary also shared the gospel with Tamiko's children. One of those children was under 10 years, year, 10 years old at the time. And her name was Pauline Funaki. And she would later marry Dennis Shiroma, and she's here today. And God has used that because Pauline has helped encourage our missions offerings throughout our churches on Maui for many, many years. And her daughter, Joyce, shared about our missions offering this morning. Now, Tamiko Funaki prayed for her granddaughter, Joyce. And she prayed for Joyce's future husband. And God allowed me to be a beneficiary of those prayers. Because when Joyce went to college on Oahu, she met this young, unchurched man named Wesley. And that's me. And God determined that I would be her future husband. And through Joyce, I heard the gospel of Jesus shared. And over time, God allowed that to reach my heart, to repent of my sin, and to trust in Jesus alone for my salvation. What amazing God that we have. You know, God tells us his message in the Bible in 66 books, starting with the creation of the universe. And it has all these themes, right, that we've learned about. So wars, famines, just so many different things. And themes and sub-themes and so many stories. But really, it all tells one story. God's love demonstrated through his one and only son, Jesus Christ. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And so, I want to start my testimony from the beginning. Not with my birth, but way before I was born. Because remember, this testimony isn't about me, about me, it's about God. You know, Pastor Randy shared recently another Trojan song that has biblical truth. You remember? He's got the whole world in his hand, and he does. And I thought about that and looked at my hands, and it reminded me, I was taught a while ago how we can share the gospel with our hand. So now's audience participation time. So if everybody can just take out your left hand, and those who went to youth camp a long time ago remember this, and point out your thumb, just your thumb like you're hitchhiking. So everybody's thumb is pointing up. Use your left hand, your thumb pointing up. So our thumb pointing up reminds us about pointing to heaven and reminds us of God. Even as a child, not being churched, not knowing God, I at least heard about God, and I knew 
that God lives in heaven, right? He's the man upstairs. But in reality, God was totally unknown to me, and I knew nothing about him. And so as I attended Christian services in college with Joyce, and I started to hear and grasp a gospel, I began to ask questions. So who is God, really? I, I don't understand what you mean when you talk about sin and repentance, justification. How do I know that God really loves me? Because no one has told me that they loved me before. I mean, this seems super interesting, but I don't understand, and I have a lot of questions. How can I learn more about God and this thing called Christianity? And then I was told the best place to learn about God is from His Word, the Bible, His Holy Word. And I learned that the Bible is trustworthy and without error, and that the Bible will teach us everything we need to know about God and about life. I wasn't so sure about that, but now I am. It took a while. It happened over time, but now I understand and I believe that the Bible is true and without error. And I learned in the Bible that God is holy and His nature is perfect and loving and that He is the Creator and He created everything and was very good. And I wanted to, you know, talk about God's character and His attributes, but this morning I'm going to focus on one of His attributes that just helped me to just see how great God is. I remember reading in Isaiah chapter 40. It says that God marks off the heavens with a span. And I thought, with a span? So you're telling me, the heavens, the space out there, the universe, is like a hand span of God? That's huge. But then because I just sometimes think about things, I was like, okay, so what, what does that really mean? And so I started to look at, and, and other people have done this, and I heard a sermon and messages, and I, I said, okay, let's just start with earth, right? We know earth. We live on earth. How big is earth? Oh, Joyce, raising your hand. Ardenswood. Right. Earth is about 25,000 miles in circumference. Smart girl. That's big, pretty big, right? But how about the sun? The sun is 2.7 million miles in circumference, a little over 100 times the size of the earth. And my mind is just getting blown again. And that's just the sun in our solar system, in our galaxy, in our universe. And then Brother Noah shared that, you know, we try to put things in perspective because we're, you know, we can't really comprehend it, so we do things. So I found this picture on the internet, and of course, it's of a football field, so Erica put on picture number one. And so it's, this shows, you can kind of see the planets up there, that if our planetary system, not even the whole solar system, just the planetary system, was on a football field with the sun on one end at the one yard line or zero yard line, and Neptune at the other, Earth would be at about the three yard line. And we look at this and we can kind of comprehend it. 
Except, you know the numbers really are? How far is earth from the sun? We learned that, right, in like second or third grade. 93 million miles. That's a lot. How about Neptune over there at the 100-yard line? 2.8 billion miles away from the sun. That's a lot. That's how big just the planets in our solar system are are distance that they're apart. But what else size-wise, right? Talked about that golf ball there. It shows that if our planetary system was on a football field, the sun would be smaller than a golf ball. And Earth, like the size of a baby flea. Starting to understand how great God is? Put up the second slide. Remember how big the sun is compared to Earth? This is one of the biggest stars in our galaxy. Oh, I'm sorry. This is the sun, and the Earth is small down there. Okay, let's go to the next one. Sorry, that's the sun. And now this is the sun compared to the biggest stars in our galaxy. So that's, I can't say these names. You see down there? It says our sun is the size of one pixel. And so what is Earth? And who are we? And then, um, remember um, Noah talked about that these uh, astronomers, or I don't know what you call these scientists, but they try to get it down so you can understand. So they think of this thing in distance called a light year. Right? Say, okay, things are this many light years apart because the numbers are too big. And so you can take that off, Erica, or Paula. But what's a light year? That's pretty easy, right? A light year is how far does light travel in one year. So here's the math part. So I know lots of us like to take out our phones. So I'm going to let you take out your phone in church this morning, not just to look at your Bible. But pull out your calculator. Because Nick talked about that one hour and one hour is how it's part of one day and one week. Kind of like that. So how far is a light year? Light travels, do you remember how fast? 186,000 miles per hour. That's pretty fast. Remember the circumference of the earth, 25,000 miles? In one second, 186,000 miles per second, in one second, Light would go around the earth more than about, what, seven times? More than seven times? In one second. That's how fast light travels. So how about in a year? Well, let's just figure out. So with your calculators, if you have your calculators out, how far does light travel in one minute? 186,000 times 60, right? 60 seconds in one minute. Participation, anybody? That's right. 11 million miles per minute. How about per hour, right? We usually think about miles per hour. So 60 minutes in one hour, so times that by 60. Anybody got it? Close to 670 million miles per hour. But what did we say? It's a light year. So how far does light travel in one year? Now you got to multiply that. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's do a day first. One day times it by 24 hours in a day. 
If your calculator is like mine, it starts to go crazy. It doesn't put numbers up. It puts up this one point something something e to the something, right? Because it's saying it's 16 billion miles in a day. And how about in a year? Times that by 365. And our calculator should say 5.86 times 10 to the 10th power, 10 to the 12th power. So how far is that? 5.86 trillion miles per year. Can your mind handle that? Can our minds handle how great God is? Our entire solar system is about 1.5 to 2 light years across. But our solar system exists in a galaxy called the Milky Way. And the Milky Way galaxy, scientists estimate to be between 100 to 150,000 light years across. Remember, every light year, 5.86 trillion. How about other galaxies? The closest galaxy to us is 2.5 million light years away. Remember what the Bible says? God measures it by how? His span. How about the whole universe? Scientists keep on changing the numbers. But right now they say over 90 billion light years big. Remember the song? God is indescribable, incomparable. He is. And then I start thinking about the stars, right? Because in Psalm 147, it says that God determines the number of stars and that he does what? He gives names, right? He names each of them. And we think our solar system has one star, the sun. How about our galaxy, the Milky Way? A hundred billion stars. A hundred billion stars. And how many galaxies do the scientists think there are in the universe? Anyone want to guess? Well, what I read, 125 billion galaxies, each averaging a hundred billion stars. And God gives them all names our minds can't handle it our calculators don't have a number for it and that's why the bible also teaches us in psalm 19 the heavens declare the glory of god just think about it I, my mind just says god how great you are the heavens declare the glory of god and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. So where does that leave us? Earth that you can't even see in those pictures. And we're like one person of billions on earth. Well, what does the Bible say? In Psalm 8, the Bible tells us, when I look at your heavens, right, and now knowing what scientists say is out there that we can't even see, when I look at your heavens, God, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have set in place, Lord. 
What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? A God that is so great that we cannot comprehend, he cares about us and is mindful of us. The God who made the universe, the God who made you, loves you. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And the Bible tells us and teaches about the attributes of God that we don't have time to go over, that he is perfect, he is holy, he is totally separate from us. He exists in three persons, the triune God, which for those of you who are here, wait, who was here in 2015? If not, go on our website. Nick preached in February 2015 a wonderful message about the triune God. And it's available on our website. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All three are separate and fully God in the same substance. They're equal in power, equal in glory, but he's still one God. God blows our minds with who he is, to worship him. Our next finger is our index or pointy finger. Tells us and reminds us about sin. Right? When God created the world, he said it was very good. And he created man and woman to bring him glory, yet man and woman then and now disobey him and rebel against God. Instead of worshiping God, and living for him and loving our neighbor. We live selfish lives. We live self-centered lives. And instead of serving God, we treat God like we want him to serve us. I didn't understand about sin and repentance and as uh, Parker so uh, greatly uh, recited the Ten Commandments, I was told that God shows his righteousness and his perfection of, or standard of perfection with the Ten Commandments. And that shows us that we cannot meet them. So I'm bad sometimes. I know I've broken some of the Ten Commandments. But we all do that. Right? Is that a big deal? It is a big deal. It's a huge problem. Because the Bible says... When we break his commandments, we show that we are enemies of God. Do you want to be the enemy of God that created the universe? Think about it. If we're not following God, we are against him. And the Bible says the penalty for sin is death, spiritual death, and spending eternity separated from him. Hell is a real place. God is loving, God is merciful, but he's also righteous and holy, and he is just. And if he is a good and just God, he must punish sin. We deserve death for our sin. Lord, do I have idols do I put other things before you? 
I do. Lord, have I used your name in vain? Have I misused your name in a way that doesn't show you worship? Worship. I have, Lord. Lord, I don't even know what the Sabbath day is, much less what it means to keep it holy. Help me. Have I dishonored my parents? In how I talk to them? Or have I dishonored my parents in my actions toward them? Or actions that I have not done toward them? I'm sorry, Lord. Please, forgive me. Have I murdered or committed adultery even if just in my heart and my mind and I began to see how terrible a sinner I am. I've stolen. I've stolen from people. I've stolen from stores. I've stolen answers to tests. I've lied to protect my reputation. I've lied to not be embarrassed. I lied to get my ways. And I provide false witness about others and gossip. Have I coveted what others have? Yes. I had to process it. I don't want to be under God's wrath. I don't want to go to hell, but I don't know what to do. And I was told, Wes, you don't need to do anything. In fact, you can't do anything to save yourself. On our own, there is nothing we can do to save ourselves. You see, we're not perfect, so we can't do anything to become perfect. Does that make sense? There's nothing we can do to please God or get out of the punishment of sin. So, what do I do? And it brings us to the next finger, the tall finger. And it reminds us in the Bible when it talks about our sin and depending for sin, almost every single time it says, but God, God steps in if we let him. We need God to save us, and he does. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God loves you. And the Bible says he wants you to have everlasting life with him. Not because of who we are, but because of who he is and his great love. And in his wisdom and his perfect plan, he gave us salvation 
And now the next finger, the ring finger. Jesus Christ, the bridegroom of the church, the people of God. Bible says, God shows his love to us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. His one and only son, God who created the universe, Jesus who is equal in power and glory, became a man as a baby to live among sinners, to live a perfect life in full obedience to God. To be disrespected, to be murdered on a cross, to pay for our sins. But the good news, the Bible tells us, he was raised again on the third day. And because he's the perfect man, because he is fully God, he can take on and Sorry. When I think about it, he can take on the wrath of God for my sins, for our sins, on himself. Perfect, sinless God. Jesus. So that I might be justified, so that I might be declared righteous, so that I might receive the righteousness of Christ. Not because of what I did, but it's all because of what God did in his great love. Before he died, Jesus cried out, it is finished. And when the job is finished, what else is there to do? Nothing. It's finished. Jesus paid it all. Thank you, Jesus. Before, my hope was in myself, my efforts, my career, my family, but then as I attended church services and as I read the Bible, I realized that true hope in this life and beyond is in God through Christ Jesus. And that brings us to little finger. So how do we do that? The little finger reminds us that all it takes is a little faith to trust in Jesus. The Bible says we must confess our sins Repent of our sins and believe in Christ alone for our salvation. When we confess our sins, we're agreeing with God about who He is and who we are and what our sin is before a holy God. And in agreeing that, it should drive us to our knees in reverence, to drive our faces to the grounds in sorrow over our sin against a holy God and feel the weight, the heavy weight of our sinfulness and the total inability to do anything in our own strength. And then we repent, not just feel sorry. We change our mind. Not changing our mind like changing our mind of where to eat, but like changing out our mind, totally getting a new mind, a new 
thought process of what we think about, how we think about sin and God. We repent, we turn from our sins and turn toward God, wanting to follow and obey Him alone. Lord, I no longer want to sin against you. I want to worship you and follow you and spend eternity with you. And then we must believe in Christ, have faith, trust in Jesus alone for our salvation, for his life, his death, his resurrection, that he paid for our sins and salvation is through him alone. For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And this faith is not just head knowledge or passing faith or belief, but it's a all our life kind of faith. A faith that daily drives us to want to turn from sin and to be more like Christ and to be obedient to God and his word. Have we done that? Have we trusted God? Have we seen the greatness of God? Have we seen the depth of our sin and others to bring them to know Christ, to bring ourselves to repent and to trust in Jesus? I pray that we do. Second Peter says, and Pastor Randy shared this as well, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you. Patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. But he warns us, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief and then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. So I pray that we know eternal life through Christ. Can God save us? As the Israelites asked. Yes, he can. Is God powerful enough to save a wretched sinner like me? And is God truly God? Yes, and yes, and amen. Does God care about me? Yes. Has he forgotten me? No, he has not. Does God love me? Yes. How do we know? The Bible tells us so. And let the Bible encourage us as we go through this life that he has already proven himself to be faithful and that his promises will come true. And as we wait in exile for our King and our Savior, let God's word encourage us to remain faithful 
as we face the trials and temptations of this life. Application, five steps for application. And I also think about another thing that Pastor Randy preached about, or talked about, sorry, not necessarily preached about, opportunity cost. When he said that word, I was like, opportunity cost. You know why? It's an economic term, right? So you love it? I like to think of it as opportunity lost. That when I take the opportunity to do one thing, I'm losing the opportunity to do something else. If I'm like Pastor Randy says, and I do, and this is one thing I have to confess to God, looking at daily news, what am I losing? Looking at eternal, lasting Word of God. Opportunity cost, opportunity loss. So for these applications, number one, remember to support our missions and our missionaries. God used World War II to send missionaries to Hawaii, and I'm so thankful for that. We want to continue to spread the gospel. And that's what God says, spread the gospel, right? Scatter the seed, leave the results to God Almighty. Number two, Today is Lord's Supper. So remember what God has done during the Lord's Supper. With thanksgiving, remember the grace that God has demonstrated through Jesus and celebrate it with his church, with his bride, together. Look back at what God has done. Look forward to what he is doing or that he will, what he will do and be, courage, be encouraged in the present and give God the glory. Number three, remember our mission to make disciples, to love God with all our hearts, all our minds, all our souls, and all our strength, and to love others as God loves us. Number four, well, more mini audience participation. So I'm going to call people that I asked earlier to come forward. There's just two of you. One is named Joyce and one is named Paula. And maybe Pauline might decide to come up too. And as they're coming up, I'm asked them to sing. Because those that know me know that and my family, that Warren is a very truthful kind of guy. And uh, when I sing or attempt to sing, um, this is what he says, Dad, are you really trying to be that bad? And I'm like, no, I'm trying to be good. And so I asked, uh, and Erica, if you can put me just the first uh, verse on, uh, Paula, um, Joyce and my mother-in-law to sing this song to you. Okay, start anytime.
Okay, don't go down yet. Many of you may not know, I didn't know, but there's more verses to this song. And as you read these verses, wait a minute, I get to play Nick. If you're able to, can you please stand? <laughs> and if you can, sing along and let these verses from a child's song encourage us again that whatever trials, whatever tribulations we face in this life, that we know that Jesus loves us and Jesus has us in his loving hands to the very end. Okay, verses 2, 3, and 4. Okay? Go ahead. A cappella. <laughs> Remember I said there's five application points? And we did four so far? Remember I said audience participation? This is the time. But it's not necessarily going to be right now. Application number five. Tell someone today how Jesus has shown his love to you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, you are so kind and so gracious and so great and so loving and I can never fully understand you Lord and I cannot preach a complex message but Lord I can understand that Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so Amen, Amen. Thank you